1: Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What is up, Dolphins? And welcome into the Friday, February the 15th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield and as always I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football and on today's show the state of the roster series rolls on with part 7 out of 10 We take a look at the interior defensive line on today's show Plus the Twitter mailbag and my second Dolphins only mock draft of the draft season as well as some personal news We have a massive mailbag waiting on deck. Let's go ahead and cut right into this thing Subscribe rate and review the podcast on Apple podcast. Follow me at Winkful NFL follow the show at LockdownFins. fins Check out LockedOnDolphins.com, the number one blog in the Dolphin Stratosphere. And of course, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts. For all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams, let's jump into the State of the Roster Series Defensive Tackle Edition. That's another Miami Dolphins! We start today's show with the defensive tackle snapshot as we take a look at what could happen or what we could expect to see happen at the position in the coming months with free agency and the draft getting ready to roll along here. And there is just so many options as I go over all of these position groups as far as free agency and the draft and the rebuild and what the idea of the rebuild means. There are so many avenues this year. Last year on the podcast and on the website, LockedOnDolphins.com, as well as on Twitter, I was pretty damn accurate in my predictions for the Dolphins roster movement, but I think this year might be different because it's a new scheme, a new coaching staff, the new regime is, is kind of the same, but it's kind of different in a way, at least in the way they're going to approach things. So it's tough from that standpoint. But we're going to try our hardest and talk about the specific scheme fits into this defense. And let's go ahead and talk about these defensive tackles, starting first with what they already have on the roster. And first, of course, before any of that, the Dolphins currently owe $4.3 million to their defensive tackles. The NFL average is right around $8-9 million, kind of tough to differentiate between the schemes, whether it's 3-4 fronts, 4-3 fronts, and the like. But the bottom line is that the Dolphins have very little cap tied up into the defensive tackle position, and it starts with Devon Godshaw and, of course, Vincent Taylor, who we'll talk about here in a second. But Godshaw gets the first crack here because he's just played more football and been more reliable for the Dolphins, even though he's a little bit less sexy of a player. He makes $645,000 this coming year, and his strengths are obvious. He is so strong at the point of attack, a great base. He has that solid foundation with a low pad level, almost always wins the low man battle. I think you could ask him to add 10 to 15 pounds, to his 315 pound frame right now and make him the true nose tackle in this defense because he plays with such power and he can really knock guys back into the backfield and be a solid run defender and open things up for the linebackers behind him. I think that he has a chance to be a really good lifelong Dolphin if he continues on this current track as one of those kind of unheralded type of players that you don't hear a lot about, but he's just solid year in and year out. That's Devon Godshaw in a nutshell. And then you have Vincent Taylor, 640K for him this year and he was on fire last year when he got hurt you go back to 2017 he was one of the most dominant run defenders in terms of on a per snap basis now granted this year and last year he was the sample size was not that great but his effectiveness and making run stops behind the line of scrimmage at the line of scrimmage working off of double teams he he's a hell of a football player and this last year he added the pass rush moves to his arsenal and He has a really nice arm over move. He's violent with his hands and can get off blocks that way. Two sacks this year and he blocks kicks at an insane rate going back to his college days. I want to say he has three blocked field goals in his career already in two years. If Vincent Taylor can get back fully from the injury and he is cleared all the way for football activities right now today, then he could be really a star at the position and collapsing interior offensive lines. He will be a starter on this defensive line next year as well. Akeem Spence, $2.5 million on the hook for the Dolphins right now. They're going to cut him. He was brought here to one gap and penetrate upfield. That's not what the Dolphins do anymore. It's an easy cut. There will be no penalty. That decision takes about two seconds to figure. And then you have Kendrick Norton was a late season add. $645,000 cost to him this year. I think he has a chance to compete for a rotational job behind Godshaw Taylor and whoever else they bring in. So he will be there for camp. Will he make the team? That remains to be seen. I think he has a good shot to do so. And then pending free agents here, there's a couple of them that are probably going to be sent off. Ziggy Hood, he made $1 bucks last year. Played well for a street-free agent, but he was just that. A street-free agent that basically filled in for all the injuries the Dolphins had. He'll be gone and allowed to walk. Same story for Sylvester Williams. They paid him 790000 last year. I believe both those figures are pro-rated. But you can basically copy and paste the blurb for Ziggy Hood into Williams' spot. He will be gone. So that's it. That's it for the Dolphins' Pending free agents, current guys on the roster. Now we look at the defensive tackle market and free agency. And again, it's important to note, and this is going to be the theme of the show today, that the positions you think the guys that play specific positions and the positions that you think you know about in terms of historical defensive alignments, you kind of got to forget about them because this defense is going to be super pliable. Guys are going to move around. You can have players playing double two eye techniques off the inside shoulder of the offensive guard on one snap. And then you could have a nose tackle on the zero technique over the center with a couple of five techniques out wide. It's going to be a lot of variety. So it's tough to figure, but that Patriots pipeline continues to make sense on this Defensive line. We talked about Trey Flowers and John Simon at defensive end on yesterday's podcast. Now we're going to talk about Danny Shelton, who didn't have an impact for the Patriots this year, except for I think he made one big TFL in the Super Bowl. But he's a big, beefy guy that could give you some of that depth at the nose tackle position, maybe be a guy that spells Devon Godshaw if they want to sign him for that. But the more attractive option is former first-round pick, current 25-year-old who had his fifth-year option waived by the Patriots, Malcolm Brown. He can come in and just be an easy fit into the scheme. Likewise, other guys to keep an eye on, there's not really a lot on this list. I put Ethan Westbrooks from the Los Angeles Rams and Christian Covington from the Houston Texans on the site, LockedOnDolphins.com, on this article, which you guys can check out for a more in-depth breakdown of these position groups and the draft class and the free agency market. And speaking of the draft class one of the top guys on my board at this is at this position and that's Ed Oliver. He's my second option really behind Kyler Murray in that first round. I think Ed Oliver would be a great, great fit for this defense because you're going to need guys that can play multiple techniques like I talked about just a second ago, and Oliver is that guy for you. I think Rashawn Gary out of Michigan will be attached to the Dolphins throughout the process. And then you have Dexter Lawrence and Christian Wilkins, both from Clemson. Those guys have ties to Marion Hobby, who helped recruit them at Clemson when he was the defensive line coach at the University of Clemson. Miami, the U that is, has Gerald Willis, Arizona State, Renell Wren, and Cam. Kansas Daniel Wise, I think would serve as scheme fits. And then there's a dark horse that had a big week at Senior Bowl. He's the guy that had the child on Friday, flew back home, and then came back down for the game on Saturday. Kalen Sanders, Saunders rather, of Western Illinois. Keep an eye on his name. So this position, like I said, Tons of fluidity. I have the predictions as such. Nose tackle, Devon Godshaw. A guy that can play a three, a four eye, and a five technique. That's Vincent Taylor. A two tech with a rotational nose in there. That would be Malcolm Brown or Danny Shelton or another free agent. Possibly a late round rookie. And then for depth beyond that, I put a rookie like a Kalen Saunders. And more depth would be Kendrick Norton. So this group is going to be a lot different than it has been in the past. Just get ready for lots and lots of change on this defense. All right, we're going to shift gears here in the next segment of the podcast and get into your Twitter questions. I think I saw 30 questions in there, even though about half of those were from the 4th and Inches crew. What's up, fellas? We'll get into all that next here. The Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. If you're looking
0: for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast.
1: It's a Friday. The snow is not going away out here in central Washington. You guys, down in South Florida for the most part, enjoy your sunshine because we are on day number seven of being snowed in in the house. But thankfully, y'all gave me a jam packed Twitter mailbag, which we're going to jump into. Right now, and answer your questions. I had a couple of segment ideas I was going to do on the podcast, but as you guys always do, you wrote in some fantastic content for me to cover and basically asked the questions I was going to talk about on the podcast. So let's stop delaying on that and jump right in here. First question comes from Zach Pagano. He is at Zach Pagano and has a blue check mark too. So that's impressive, Zach. Any plans on attending the draft and doing the podcast from Nashville? Look, man, I would love, love to do that. I would love to take this podcast on the road, go to every game, be credentialed for every game, all that fun stuff. That's like my ultimate dream job. But I pay for that stuff out of pocket right now. So I can't, I just, I can't, I can't afford to do that. That's basically all it comes down to. But in the future, I hope this continues to grow and get bigger as the Lockdown Podcast Network has just taken a huge jump in its two years of existence. And I hope I can continue on that ride with the company and that we get to a point one day where that is possible. But this year, no, not going to happen. If it comes to Seattle, I would definitely be down for doing that. Next question. Next question here comes from Oliver Candido. He is a new writer for LockedOnDolphins.com. Welcome aboard, Oliver. He is at Brazil Candido. He asks Dexter Lawrence, does having a true nose like him help the scheme, or is a two-down player like him more of a day two pick? I think that if you can. F- It's tough to answer that because interior pressure is the in vogue thing right now. So giving up like a first round draft pick on him, I wouldn't go that far. I think day two for sure is where he lands, but I'd be excited about the pick if he came on in round two, but I don't think I would go as far as round one because of the limitations you mentioned there as being more of a two down player, which even though today's NFL two down players aren't really a thing because just about every down in today's NFL is a passing down. Next question. And we got another question here coming in from Gabe Genovese. He is at Gabe Geno 13 How many pieces away are we from an elite defense? I know it's kind of a broad question. No problem, Gabe. And it actually helps me expound on a topic I wanted to discuss on the podcast. But here you go, filling in the content for me. And it goes back to the constructs of defensive positions and how we're going to have to redefine them this year because... Your safeties aren't going to be free and strong or right and left like they were in Matt Burke's scheme. It's going to be about matchup pieces. What do you do well? Do you cover single high? Do you play center field? Do you play too deep? There are so many different variables for each of these players, like a Vincent Taylor, for instance. Vincent Taylor is going to be a defensive end, defensive tackle next year, and there's not going to be one specific pigeonholing position you can put on him. So as far as that goes, I think Miami has to remake their secondary at least on the backside of things at the safety position because Minka Fitzpatrick is going to be great. He's going to be the linchpin for this entire defense. But Rashad Jones, he's miscasting this defense. He takes poor angles and he's not that good in coverage one-on-one. So that's what you have to do in this defense. And then you have TJ McDonald who is just too slow to do anything they want to do in this defense. You got to think about Deron Harmon and Patrick Chung and start building off guys like that because neither of these two players are like those two players. So I would say Several pieces. And I think it's going to be a two year rebuild as far as getting everyone aligned in that same direction, going towards the same direction. So I love the two linebackers. Rayquan McMillan, I think, is going to have a huge year and a huge career in this defense. Jerome Baker, the same story off the outside edge. Xavier Howard's outstanding. Minka Fitzpatrick, I think, is going to be Miami's Devin McCourty. So I think they're probably about three, four, five pieces away from really being able to do what they want to do on a week-by-week basis and being adaptable to every opponent you face and being able to attack their weaknesses every single game. Next question. We've got another question coming in here. This one comes from Ron. DeGregorio, I hope I got that right. He is at Mr. DeGregorio. Personal question, as a fan of Miami, would you take a professional job covering other teams in the NFL? Jets? Gross. That's me saying gross. Or are you only interested in covering Miami? You're on your way up and just curious about your professional goals. Thank you. Well, I appreciate that, Ron. That means a lot to me. And yeah, I would take a job for another team. Honestly, if I had to go away from the Dolphins, I would prefer to change sports, like be a college football guy and maybe go to the Cougs, Washington State, my alma mater, or I guess my current enrolled college right now, or in baseball, like go to the Mariners. But I'm down to really kind of just work in sports because I do love sports and being involved in sports is just... I can't imagine going back to a real job at this point like where I have to, you know, clock in and, and sit in a cubicle. So, I would, but I wouldn't love it because the Dolphins are my true passion and it makes it really easy to work when it's your true true passion next question next question here comes from Mr. Stubborn he is at Abduarte underscore one we agree that Kyler Murray has the physical traits to be a dynamic quarterback in the NFL but do you think he has the mental game to pick up the pre-snap reads that Tannehill struggled with in this new system and I assume you're going off of some of the videos I've been tweeting out and this is referring to the column that I'm going to be writing about the Dolphins offensive scheme what they're going to have to do to make it work with the new pieces they have or whoever the new pieces are going to be so with that in mind it's all about identifying things pre-snap and you might find them do things the way Sean McVay does in Los Angeles where they try to hurry to the line of scrimmage to make things easier on the quarterback because then you have a second opinion in his helmet telling him where the coverage is what the defense is and how to adjust your route combinations accordingly so does Kyler have that not yet he's not there yet His offense was wide open and really kind of simplified reads for him in college, but you can't just put that against him and say that that's what he's going to be because he does have the tools and traits to make those things happen. He's a great tight window thrower. He has the arm angle from different angles that can make throws at those different angles. That was a a mouthful. And he's also got the big time arm that can push the ball down the field vertically. He can throw the field side out route, the field side comeback, the boundary digs, all the fun stuff that takes a big time arm to rip those throws in there. I think he can get there. He's not there yet, but that's where you have to grow with him. And then obviously he can have an impact as a rookie because if he can't get those things done, he can escape and make plays with his legs. And that's why I love the kid so much. He is dual threat and you can find a way to make the plays happen when the original plan of the play or design of the play is not available next question we got another question here coming in this one is from Chuck at Chuck T underscore 88 thought on trading for Brissette and also who or also your thoughts on David Long the linebacker from West Virginia I gotta be honest Chuck I haven't watched any tape on David Long yet so I don't have an answer for you there as far as Brissette I don't like it because I think that he just basically put you back in the same position you were in with Tannehill he might be better than Tannehill I, I guess that could possibly be a thing going forward but I don't think he gets you anywhere over like the 7 and 9 eight and eight mark of previous teams that have made us so frustrated as this fan base so i would just pass on that and wait for another better option to become available next question next question here comes from dan underscore b underscore Finn underscore fan he is at the same exact handle dan b Finn fan with underscores inside of all of those who is the best free agent prospect the dolphins could get aside from kyler murray who is your favorite draft prospect for the dolphins Oh, and aside from Kyler Murray, who's your favorite draft prospect? So uh, favorite free agent prospect, definitely Trey Flowers. He comes in and and fits the scheme right away, plays about 75 to 80% of the snaps inside, outside, does everything you want in this defense. And then as far as the draft, I think it's Ed Oliver. I like him a lot. I think the Greedy Williams cornerback is a great player and a lot of safeties in this class that I like a lot, but they might be more geared for the second round, which we're going to talk about in the final segment on the Dolphins-centric mock draft. Next question. Next question here comes in from Adam at Dolphins underscore Junkie. What do the Dolphins do to actual to get actual production from the tight end position in 2019? I think we might see a similar mold as far as production going forward in 2019, but not for the same reasons. Like with Adam Gaze keeping Mike Gesicki into block way too much, going to be that same idea. But this offense might be generated more around those guys doing more as inline blockers. But then again, the matchup based offense they. Want want to run it's going to depend on the opponents so I think they're going to find a way to get more out of Mike Gasicki in the passing game they'll do more to magnify his strengths as a rebounder and an athlete I think Durham Smythe is going to be an absolute slobber knocker in the run game and we'll see what happens with Nick O'Leary if he makes the team or if he plays that H-back fullback slash tight end role I think you're going to see a bump but not really all that significant of a bump from the tight ends. Next question. Next question here comes from Chris Ballard. He is at the jeweler. If when Parker walks in free agency, any chance of a comp pick? No, he's not going to get signed for enough. It's all about the dollar. And Devontae Parker is probably going to get a one-year prove-it deal for like five, four or five, six million dollars. Nothing really that special for him. So I don't think he'll fall into the equation there, unless the Dolphins sit on their hands altogether in free agency, which I don't think they'll do that either. Next question. Next question here comes. I love that soundtrack, by the way. Next question here comes from Alex Opfer. He is at Alex Opfer13. Are the Dolphins throwbacks the greatest uniform in all of sports? Do you ever see them going back full time? I think they are absolutely beautiful, but I love. I really do love the current uniforms. I think modernized looks are good. I don't think we have to have just go back to the old ones all the time. I think using them a couple times a year makes them even more special. So I like that because I'm one of the few guys that likes the current uniforms, especially the recent remake with the last blue and the just defined orange drop shadows. So I'm team current uniforms, but use the throwbacks two or three times and bring back those white throwbacks. Those things were fantastic. Okay, this mailbag is massive, and I apologize for not being able to get to the rest of the questions. I will answer a couple more because there's one more topic I wanted to cover on today's podcast. We'll do that after the break here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins.
0: They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: We are on to segment number three on this Friday podcast, closing up the week here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the fastest growing and most popular podcast network for your daily sports coverage in the entire universe. And here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, we have you covered every single day as always. And there was a couple of submissions with similar questions about the quarterback, particularly Ryan Tannehill I wanted to get to. So with that, let's go ahead and finish up this Twitter mailbag with two more questions. Next question. And these ones come from, the first one is Travis Moore. He is at Moore for me with a couple of E's on the end of that me. He asks, is there any realistic possibility that there is any trade value as far as compensation coming back for Ryan Tannehill? And the other question was from Darren Summers at DL underscore Summers. Let's go quarterback talk. Where do you believe Tannehill plays in 2019? So as far as trade compensation, I don't think there will be. I think that Joe Flacco is perceived to have a higher value than Ryan Tannehill just based on the way Ryan Tannehill played in 2018 coming off the injuries. Because if if you can't see that Tannehill was a more talented or the better quarterback recently than Joe Flacco was prior to this last season, then I don't know what to tell you because Flacco... You just haven't watched enough Joe Flacco. Whereas you see Tannehill every week, you see the negatives that come along with him. But then you see Joe Flacco's highlight reels or whatever, and you assume that okay, yeah, he he was better than Ryan Tannehill. Plus, he has that Super Bowl ring from seven years ago, which is so irrelevant today that I can't even begin to describe that. But Tannehill coming off the ACL first. Coming off of an ACL injury, they always say that your number two is when you finally start to feel right. I think Tannehill didn't trust it, and that made his mechanics a little bit wonky and made his play worse than it has been previously. I think the ankle injury ruined his his mobility altogether, which we know that's a big part of his game. And the shoulder injury took away the big arm, which is a huge, really the best part of Tannehill's game. So without those things, he was terrible in 2018. You couple that with a kind of a shortcoming as far as the mental side of a. Processing the game goes for Tannehill so all those things considered I don't think there will be a trade market because of the contract that comes with him and the really lack of trust in Tannehill to be durable for 16 games but also to be an effective quarterback for any number of games in 2019 so I think no he will not have a trade market I think he will get cut and I think the Washington Redskins will be the ones that pick him up because Jay Gruden can do some work with Tannehill, I think, that can really kind of you know magnify the things that he does well, whereas Adam Gase couldn't quite figure out a way to do that outside of that one stretch in 2016. Okay, there's a lot more questions in that Twitter mailbag that I really want to get to. So if I have some time next week on the podcast, I'll go back to the mailbag and answer some of those questions. But we are short on time today, and I want to get... Into this mock draft, and I think I'm going to do this on Fridays from here until the draft. Maybe every other Friday, we'll just see how I feel about it. I'm not much of a mock draft guy in general, I find them to be derivative and kind of a waste of time. But when you do them for just one team and focus it on one team, you can at least pencil in particular needs and how those needs might jive up with the strength of the draft throughout the different rounds in the draft. So the last one we did was offensive line heavy. If I recall, this one's going to be more about defense and assuming Kyler Murray is long gone and Miami did not trade up to go get him. My plan is to get Brian Flores, the pieces he needs and then go after the quarterback in 2020. If you can't get Kyler Murray. So let's go ahead and do this. But first please be warned, just be warned. This isn't going to make a lot of sense without explanation. And most folks think that the Dolphins are fine at the safety position, for instance— but they really aren't. Rashad and TJ are miscast in this scheme as Jones really isn't good enough in man coverage and often takes bad angles like we talked about in the previous segment. And TJ is just too slow. There's no other way around that. Minka is the perfect fit for this defense. And to further explain the disclaimer, it goes back to my tweet about those positional constructs and how I mentioned it in the last segment, you're not going to have the traditional DND tackle line. It's not going to be like that anymore. Guys are going to play all over. So, with that in mind, here is the non trading version of Miami's first four picks in this upcoming draft. Number one at 13, defensive end Jakai Polite out of Florida. I think he offers that five, seven, eight, nine technique that can play multiple positions, rush the passer. He is a fantastic pass rusher coming out of college. I think he can have an impact right away in his rookie year. Number two in the second round, safety Jonathan Abram from Mississippi State. The guy is an absolute missile, wants to hit everything, and he can cover in the way Patrick Chung did for the Patriots and would be a fantastic matchup piece that can play safety, uh, too high safety and come down and cover in the slot when there's four or five wide on the field as well. Third round, center, Eric McCoy from Texas A&M would be a good zone scheme fit here for the offense, but also amenable in the way they want to go power or lead dive, whatever it might be. I think McCoy has the traits and the makeup and the mental processing to make things happen and to be your leader on the offensive line. And then number four, I might've had him here last time as well. Wide receiver, David Seals the fifth out of West Virginia. The guy is just smooth as butter. I love watching him play. The quiet hands all the way through the catch point. He hauls everything in, tracks it so damn well. I think he's going to have a great career in the NFL and fall in this draft. So I really hope the Dolphins can scoop him up. I think he could start at X receiver day number one. For the Dolphins. So go ahead, flame away on Twitter. Tell me how we already have too many safeties. Tell me how dumb this draft class is. Go ahead, bring it on. I'm ready for you. And coming soon to LockedOnDolphins.com are two terrific pieces with incredibly in depth dives into the offensive and defensive schemes of Brian Flores and Chad O'Shea. I wrote the offensive one, and Kevin Dern wrote the defensive breakdown. He'll join the podcast here soon, probably next week, to talk about that write up. Both of those articles will be up next week sometime. On LockedOnDolphins.com, but as for today's show and this week of podcast, that is going to be my time. If you guys have a smart speaker, you can play the podcast instantly. Just tell your smart speaker to play Locked On Dolphins podcast. Also, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at Wingful NFL Follow the show at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on our. Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you again on Monday on President's Day for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Fins up.